Hello, and welcome to episode number 182 of the Nerd Pro Quo Podcast. This is our Daredevil Season 3 review with a couple other random little tangents thrown in. Before we get into that, I'm going to try and get into that as quickly as possible. A couple little announcements uh, next week. There will very, very, very likely be no podcast. Just uh, some scheduling uh, conflicts uh, that uh, will, pr- and also the fact that I most likely will not be home to actually post a podcast. There might be a solo episode, but it's doubtful. And uh, also, as far as like uh, a guest and and that next week we will, we will most likely be off because of some scheduling conflicts and me not actually being home or having any time to post anything. Uh, that will uh, probably be what happens next week. However, there's a bunch of things that have happened and will be happening. There will probably, there might be a solo episode. We will see what happens uh, about Venom possibly coming out next week. We will see what happens with that. That might have to hold on and be kind of uh, folded into another episode. Also, uh, next Saturday, November 3rd, is Ranger Zone. They uh, will hopefully, in fact, most definitely, I'm just going to put it out there, most definitely, future episodes, uh, future guests on this uh, podcast, along with some of the people who've been on that show. Uh, go check that out. It is a free comedy slash poetry show that is at 8 p.m. at Brandit's Loon on Bergen and Vanderbilt in Prospect Heights slash Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Go check that out. It is free. It is an awesome show definitely do that also we're gonna be having another episode of anime fun times definitely that is going to be happening very very soon because new season of castlevania came out new season of of seven deadly sins has come out a bunch of fall anime that uh needs to be discussed and talked about and probably some game stuff too so that's gonna be uh in the next couple of weeks and uh yeah that's pretty much it for the announcements i think there's probably there's gonna be a handful of more stuff coming up in november it's just uh need to hold off on some of that stuff because as it always happens with this podcast it's just scheduling stuff but uh in the meantime episode 182 of the nerd pro quo podcast is daredevil season three with uh eve uh yeah Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, we are now, uh, we, even though we were kind of, I forgot to mention this, uh, follow us on Twitter, at NerdProCo on Twitter. We are now live tweeting Doctor Who, Black Lightning, and The Flash, even though I will admit that we are kind of spite-watching The Flash at this point. But, uh, yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter, at NerdProCo on Twitter. Hit us up with any questions and opinions. And, as always, if you like this episode, hit subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, tell your friends, tell your friends, and tell their friends... And uh, that way we can uh, do more of this. Also, if you're a musician or a creative person and you like this podcast and you feel like you might want to, you know, be a guest or submit us music or anything along those lines, artwork, I don't really care. I want to hear from you, especially if you're local. I'm super excited to hear from local, especially local comic book artists, local creators. If you do a sketch show, if you do a YouTube series, uh, let us know at NerdProCo on Twitter, NerdProCo at gmail.com. Hit us up and uh, maybe be a future guest on this podcast or even on a future live show of this podcast. So, yeah, 
at NerdPerkle on Twitter, NerdPerkquo at gmail.com is the email. Episode 182, Daredevil Season 3. Awesome. <laughs> no, just paying them. Just paying. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is a, by the way, have we seen Wesley Snipes? I keep seeing like things. So uh, like, aside from the... Uh, on. No, he was out, and he had to do. Oh, that's mine. A bunch of a bunch of direct to video. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, this part is so full. Um, yeah, I think he did the uh, Untouchables. No, the that uh, um, what was that movie trilogy with um, Sylvester Stallone? Oh, the Expendables. Um, Expendables. Yeah. He was in the last one, I think. He was in three? I yeah. don't remember him being in three. I think so. I, I remember Van Damme being in three as the villain, and that was hysterical. I think he was in it. He needed to pay his some of his yeah, taxes I mean, back. So. No, no, Wesley Snipes actually was like... <laughs> like for, for like a... Uh, he did a bunch of straight-to-DVD like action movies that were uh, very much like the same type of movies that Nicolas Cage was doing for... Has been doing for yeah, the past couple of years. What was Nicolas Cage's excuse? That's my question. Same thing. Taxes? I don't know if it was taxes, but like he wasn't he, like he blew his money on like ridiculous shit. A like bunch of ridiculous shit, the, yeah. Um, a dinosaur skeleton. Yep. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did. Amongst other things. Yeah, he just he just like oh yeah, he he just fucked up. <sighs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. I feel like we were just like blabbing for a while. Um Yeah, I mean you almost tainted my experience by you mentioning should, Daredevil. By mentioning Daredevil, the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We were, we were discussing a lot of how... how Jennifer Garner, worst Electra ever. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, uh, how comic book adaptations can go wrong, even when you're faithful to the source material. Yeah. Daredevil, the movie, is actually a fantastic example of someone who really was trying to be faithful to the source material, and it went horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> It's you like because there are things that work in a comic book that don't work on a, a spe- and also it was early. It was early in the history of the Marvel film, so yeah. which I will I will argue like there is a bunch of stuff that came out around then, including like the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire that told the first Spider-Man movie. There are parts of it that hold up, but a good chunk of that movie does not. Hold I don't up know. At all. I think the first two films were solid. Second For film the time. was solid. For the time. And I think I, I could still... Do you want me I to would, get a third mic? I can get a third mic since you're sitting here. I mean, until you talk about Daredevil. Uh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I I feel mean we that are going to talk about Daredevil. And that is why we are getting together um, to do this. I feel that... I haven't seen the first Spider-Man film in forever, but I could still rewatch you the, know, the, the second film because, once again, it's a villain. Oh yeah, I forgot. Shit, Willem Dafoe was in the first. Yeah, one. Yeah. Never mind. Never the, mind. The, the second. The Never s- mind. The, the second film does hold up. The it, first fifteen or so minutes of the first film hold up, and then the rest of the movie, you're like, eh. yeah. All right, I forgot Dafoe was. But but that crazy. is not what we are. <laughs> we are here to discuss Daredevil season three because we kind of got off track before when we were off mic about crappy adaptations of like anime and some of that stuff honestly is stuff that i will talk to with you guys like off mic but it's just like it just sounds weird when i say it and you said some of it and you get stressed out i I get get, i really get get concerned every time you mention the last airbender it's like motherfucker this guy's gonna punch a hole through the wall (laughs) just take it easy dude just take it easy i know it made me so angry (laughs) and the fact that 
I mean, the movie itself made me so angry, but not for the reasons that everyone brings up. And I was just like, and then the the reasons everyone brings up of why that movie was their problems with that movie was like those that wasn't that was the least of that movie's problems. Yeah. It still would have been terrible had the casting been at all what everyone wanted it to be. It was just like everything everything was wrong with that movie. Although the Netflix live series, we'll see what happens with that. I don't know. I don't know. The original I'm, creators are behind it, which everyone was kind of I'm excited like, about that. But after C- uh, Voltron season seven, I'm a little bit. And Night Shyamalan has made me not give a fuck about uh, yeah. Airbender. I'm sorry. I'll just take your word for it. It's a great property, but I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have to be the, really the, the bored. show. The show is great. Uh, it was great for kids. Uh, the characters age. It was on for like three years. The characters start as pre start as like kids, kids, and end the show as preteens. And the oldest character is actually like an older teenager by the time the series is over. And it's one of the few like animated series in which the characters age in real time with the series. Uh, all the character again for a, a kid show is like the characters have real like character arcs. There's okay. a character who starts as a villain. And has an entire character arc, like a full character arc, where like he goes through the, a bunch of stuff. Zuko is like he starts out as like a villain sort of, and then he goes through. He ends up being like part of like the heroes team, like a complete character arc in that story. Yeah, uh, Korra is not as good, but still, still pretty awesome. Like I'm not gonna lie, like it's. Okay. Uh, I want them to do another show that takes place a hundred years after Korra, which would be like our future almost. So Korra's great. It's just it's different, right? Like Avatar is a complete like one story over three seasons. Korra is essentially four separate stories that like all go in to make a good overall thing. And I feel like the progression of those creators is like you see the same yeah, you've kind of seen the same thing with Voltron where it's just like Here's where it seemed like you had an arc, and then the, the more seasons they do, the more it's just like, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? Anyway. Oh, one yes. last tangent. Oh my fucking god, Titans is bad. I cannot. Okay. Okay. I, 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 okay. Okay. That's I, that's fair. I try to. <laughs> I try to watch the pilot. I could not. What? Can you swear on your podcast? Yeah, of course. I don't. I, I can watch it. I, I I had to stop. I I was like halfway through. I was like watching Starfire. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, no, I can't. I I I. And this is me. I could give uh, a lot of leeway to bad properties as yeah. long as it's my thing. I could not. I, I'm trying. I'm maybe if I'm in a different different mindset, I could accept it later on. But right now, I just. I can't do it. Uh, before we even get into Daredevil season three, there are two shows, the Netflix shows that have been canceled. I mean, we should kind of. Last time we recorded, we had right after we stopped recording, we got the information that I was I, like, I, it was like, yay, Iron Fist is dead. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, <laughs> they canceled fucking Luke Cage. Luke Cage. I'm like, Fuck. And I heard that you mentioned maybe the um, uh, the viewership wasn't that as high, you know, in season I two. Yeah, I and I hear that there were. Could, there was possible creative differences between Netflix and 
uh, and the person who di- who directed uh, Luke Cage. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, also, I mean, swapped out all the showrunners and the whole writing stuff. Yeah, I mean, also. So a couple things about that uh, doesn't necessarily mean that Iron Fist and Luke Cage are gone because there still might be a Heroes for Hire series. Yeah. And my argument is, if you're gonna do a Heroes for Hire series, you better damn well do a darn Daughters of the Dragon series as well. Uh, two eight episode series, if not shorter. Mm-hmm. Heroes for Hire, which is Danny and Luke, I'm fine with that. Like, because that's that's Iron Fist in smaller doses, and like you can still it with the do, supporting cast. Yeah, too, like, and and you that can could carry him. You basically get the best of the supporting cast in Daughters of Dragon, like in their own series. It's unfortunate that Luke Cage season uh, that Luke Cage got canceled. Um. There's an argument that I saw that Luke Cage kind of got swept up in the, hey, we're going to, we've canceled Iron Fist, we're also going to, that it kind of got swept up in the kind of shows that weren't as strong. I also think, and I I think I brought this up before, that I think the season one of Luke Cage had a lot of hype behind it. Yeah. Um. So much so that I think, and I, I skewed the numbers. On, I, skewed the numbers and uh, unpopular <clears throat> opinion, honestly, is Luke Cage season one got credit for being better than it actually was. I actually, a lot of people rank Luke Cage season one super high. I mean, it's still better than the Iron Fist season one. Yeah, I, I would argue that it's still better than Defenders to a certain extent. Yeah. But I, some people put it up super high, like like past like Daredevil season two or whatever, or and I'm just like, it's not up there. It's not better than any of the Daredevil it's, seasons. It, to be perfectly, it's not it's, better than season one of Jessica Jones. No, and I honestly think it's not. Season one was not that good. Like it just I don't. Wasn't. I disagree. I don't think it was bad. I, at I'm all. not. I'm not saying. I, 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 I'm not saying. Let me be clear. I'm not saying not it was that bad. Good. Okay. I'll just like. I think it got, and justifiably so in certain respects, got uh, caught up in a, to a certain extent in the pre pre Black Panther hype machine. Yeah. So and I get it why people were so excited about Luke Cage. I think the show itself is a victim of people being more excited about it being existing yeah. than the actual quality of the show ended up backing up. I think for the first two... I hate s- saying shit like that, too. No, uh, no I think... I, it's my, it's my, my white guilt. My it's, it's biggest... It's basically what my... <laughs> is what is, uh, like. My biggest issue with the two seasons of Luke Cage was the fact that there isn't an antagonist. Yeah. A real antagonist. Yeah. I mean, season two was okay. Um, I like what they did... Uh, with some of the characters, I love the growth of Black Mariah yes. as a compelling villain. Yes. Um, but it's just like and like like seventy percent of that is just Alfred Woodard yeah. just being amazing. Just <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, I think it's just like you don't see anyone who can really harm him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's some psychological mind games, but you don't have like any of Daredevil's. I guess short ish but still compelling rogues gallery yeah you don't have 
uh, a Purple Man or David Tennant yeah. just blowing shit out of the water, you know, being terrifying. With Luke Cage, it's like he's a Superman, a black Superman. Yeah. But I, man. I also, I also have, <laughs> have made the argument that unlike Daredevil and... Uh, Basically, unlike unlike Daredevil, period. I mean, Jessica Jones had the advantages of, to a certain extent, there was more that they could do. Uh, in season one, they have the Purple Man, which is which is David Tennant, and was fantastic. The problem with Luke Cage, uh, honestly, is that if you look at actually Luke Cage's like comic book history, so much of his comic book history, as far as like ad- adapting stories. Except for maybe the past like five, little over five years or so, it's actually pretty embarrassing. Like there isn't a lot there that yeah. you can adapt and put it on screen and not be kind of like. Mm. I was just only, I, I became familiar with Luke Cage through the New Avengers yeah. line that Marvel did, and because he was in the ensemble cast as a lead in an entire in, in its his own show. Eh. Well, I'm well, not too well, sure. Well, here's the thing. I'm curious about the Heroes for Hire. That I would be done. Heroes for Hire would be would be great. Um, I think because of their contrast, it it that's the only time that Iron Fist and Luke Cage are actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Jessica Jones suffers from a similar problem. Is that Jessica Jones's greatest strength in the comic books? What makes her compelling is her relationship to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that once you put her in the Netflix Marvel Universe, she has no relationship to the rest of the Marvel Universe except for the other members of the Marvel Netflix Universe. Mm-hmm. Well, like One of the most interesting relationships in the comic books is the relationship between Jessica Jones and Carol Danvers. Captain Marvel, and yeah. they're not fucking gonna do that no, no, in no. on Netflix. Like it's just not gonna happen. No. And there's a bunch of them, like her relationship with Luke, which they just didn't. They could, but they, they could, I don't think but they they're won't. not going to. Like there's again, it's the problem that I brought up with Iron Fist is like here's all the stuff that you could do with that character that is cool. You're not going to do any of it. You've proven that you're not. You haven't done it. And the way you fucked things up so badly, you're not going to fix them now. You're not going to be able to do any of those. You kind of tried to do it at the end of the second season, but it was like, nope, you fucked that up too. But I think with a character like Iron Fist, he's better off, you know, as you said, you know, uh, bouncing off another character. And from what we have so far in the Netflix universe, Luke Cage I, during the Defender series and, you know, in some of his cameos, you know, I think season two of Luke Cage. Yes. I enjoyed those two. Yes. They have great chemistry. Yeah. You know, I would love to see more of that. Yes. You know, in the future. So, I mean, I really hope that there's a future for those characters. I really, I want to see own, Heroes for Hire. Like I want to see buddy, Daughters of the Dragon. Like, yeah. like a buddy, you know, uh, uh, flick. All that is to say, and to kind of prove our point even further, Daredevil season three None of those characters are in season three. Daredevil. It's like I didn't even realize until I was rewatching it. It's just like 
his he stands on his own and he's and that character it's, they've made him compelling enough on his own it's not just the character it's just like the cast the supporting cast yeah. are just fucking amazing d'onofrio just he is i just i'm i don't know if he has other rogues villains but i'd love to see d'onofrio every fucking season he, in some he, capacity here's the thing in the history of daredevil he has other villains that he faces them. A lot of them are actually B and C level Spider-Man villains, mm -hmm. which you can do or not. I don't care. But his main two vi uh, villains are Wilson Fisk and Bullseye. And that's basically it. <laughs> you stop that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like when you have... It's it's now gone on for a good four decades, I think, in the comic books. I, I, with the exception of like very recently, where they just stopped. They were just like, okay, I don't think we can do this. I think it literally it was like, I don't think we can do this anymore, because there was that run that Brian Michael Bendis did that is actually most of what they've adapted for the show. That is just like that was like the Kingpin versus Daredevil series, you yeah. know. Uh, which is like they just took it to the limit of like characters supporting characters died or were killed and and they really delve in like one of them involves one of the more recent ones is not so recent now but like deals with Vanessa Fisk you mm -hmm. know his wife and the fact that like and you even see that in Daredevil season three when Vanessa Fisk comes back it's yeah. just like oh you've already started to if she wasn't messed up before there there's this idea in one of the runs of the comic books which is like oh wilson fist like vanessa is not wilson like she's not she's actually like a moral person but the more time she spends around him the worst she becomes i mean and they show that in the yeah. season three yeah, yeah, about yeah. what fist does in terms of you know just breaking down no specifics don't worry about yeah, that yeah, yeah. just you Although know how will. he so corrupts you might, you might need the lock yourself where the roommate is my roommate is running away now how he corrupts <laughs> those people around, around him. him and i love that yeah. you know um and just i guess we're just gonna get started yeah, and yeah, diving yeah. Well, right into season three yeah um I, I think I remember texting you. It was like it was you, you liked it, but you felt you're very measured, yeah. you know, in your excitement or your joy of this. I was blown away, blown away by the fact that you know, as we've mentioned we've, for the first three seasons, you mentioned how you know there are definitely episodes that you could get away, you know, cut off. You know, yeah. it was not it was imbalanced. For me, I thought season three from. First episode to the last episode was I was edge of my seat. What? I wanted to find out what was going on. Nothing, despite what you may think, I thought every episode was needed in this in this season, and I loved every single Here one. Will of say, them. Here's what I will say: is I still think it was a little too long. That being said, the me feeling it was a little too long was less than any of the other. Not, not just any of the other seasons of Daredevil, any of the, the other seasons of any of the other shows. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, I normally, I have said it was, like, it was about three or four episodes too long, or, like, two or three of it. This was, like, 
about an episode or two worth of content that I was just like, you probably could have shaved it. I have, I, I both, I get why the Karen episode was in there. It, that was the only episode where it was just like, I don't know that I care. I, like I said, I know why this is here. But you didn't care enough for, for that character to I don't, find I that I didn't background. care enough about Karen as a character. I also, it's the only, I get why it's in there. Also, if you're going to have that long of a season, mm-hmm. it is kind of like a break from everything else that is going on. I wouldn't go so far to say it's a full filler episode, but I will say that it is the only episode of the series that feels like it's from a different show. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because it's in a completely different setting. It's like her hometown. Uh, it feels like it's from a different show. And the only thing that ties it to Daredevil is that it's Karen Page that you're watching. Uh, so with this season, I was like, I, from the very first episode, I was like, who is this new agent? You know, yeah. this like this nice family man who I just love the fact that they didn't give a fuck about his, you know, background, you yeah. know, a Muslim family, but they're just a fucking American family. Yeah. And I love that. So just like this, um, this man, an agent, unfortunately, he's going through some family problems. He's got, you know, money problems going on that he needs to deal with. And you just see the world of Daredevil through his mindset. You see the... Uh, the conflict between Daredevil, you see the transformation or, you know, the corruption of Wilson Fisk and how he tries to seep his, you know, tentacles in other people to get them to do his bidding. I'm like, fuck, you know, and you you just see, and through him, you just see how outmatched Daredevil is against someone like a Wilson Fisk. It's like, how that's the way I loved it. It was how is he gonna get one on this guy? Because Fisk has thought about every fucking yeah. like, scenario. Watching the first like two episodes again, and then realizing what that some of the stuff that happens in the first two episodes, like how Wilson has set all of that up from the very beginning, including having a guy come and stab him yeah. <laughs> like in prison. Oh. Here's what I will say, though, about that character. Uh, Jay, I think is his name, uh, uh, the, the FBI yeah. agent, is at the end of the day, they tried really hard. They put so much work into, I think, at least in my mind, trying to make you care about him as a character sadly especially watching a second time around i'm like i couldn't bring myself to care about him as a character uh i think at the end really yeah i think at the end of the day he is a device so that you can see someone who is not matt karen or foggy Mm -hmm. which is foggy's like brother is also effective in in this in this uh sense is i don't necessarily care about foggy's brother as a character i don't necessarily care about this fbi agent as a character ultimately i think what it comes down to for me is from the beginning from very or if not from the first episode from very early in the season i go he's gonna die He's gonna and once like my brain has set on that, I had a little trouble like actually caring about him as a character. That being said, even as a device device to see to portray how Wilson Fisk basically poisons everything and like how he manipulates everything, 
he's an incredibly effective device. Yeah. As far as like how you can see how here's this character like even if if you're someone like me who watched season three and you didn't care about his character necessarily as a character, you kind of go, this is what the Kingpin as a character, Matt Murdock is like, this is the collateral damage. This is an actual look at what that collateral, it is a character who represents that collateral damage or that the level of that manipulation that is the, Essentially, just the fight between Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. It's a continuing theme in the comics, too. It's just like, it's when you two guys start fighting each other, you destroy everything else around you. But I was just surprised that you didn't feel for him. I mean, because when I saw his character and I knew he was in the FBI and he had his money problems, I was afraid that they were going to go the route of he's going to go, he's going to break bad and do everything possible to join forces with Fist just to help, you know, support his family. He was an unwilling participant. I also... You know, spoilers like the fact that ultimately, I, I do like I even a, I not didn't care about him as maybe a little bit strong. I think I cared so much more about the uh, about Matt Murdock and Point Dexter, mm-hmm. who is just like we'll get to in a minute because yeah. I have a lot to say about him. Uh, and just like you know, just watching D'Onofrio be Wilson Fisk. Is I think I get caught up more in that that I like I, I couldn't I didn't have any I didn't have enough left to care about uh, a new this new character yeah that you knew it was gonna die you you knew I, you, you knew I he knew, was doomed but I just wanted I, I was kind of glad that he met his end in an honorable way I you like know? that he he starts the sh- the season as a good person mm-hmm. and ultimately despite being corrupted by. Every you know Wilson Fisk and everything that's happened around. By the way, there there are some. Parts he's of not the season. corrupted though. I mean, he's just yeah. he's he feels powerless. Yes. In this war, uh, and then he ultimately ends the show still being a good man. Yeah. Like despite of all the things that he's done, um, I will say that the one part of his story that I was just like, "Fuck, dude, you're just you're fucked." Was when like uh, he's they're in he goes to like his his boss's house. I did not see that one. And then, yeah, I didn't I either. Because did. yeah. I'm thinking the boss's house. You know they're doing construction. I I did not see that coming. Yeah. Bam! You just see how Fisk just is how, that powerful. How, but yeah, that's that, that she had to just off that guy in her own home. You see how deep the tendrils is like. Oh. Like anyone, uh, you know, my friend Jared, who was like, that's not Kingpin. It was like, this season, you really see, yeah. that's the Kingpin. It's like everyone 
or like how deep he's manipulating and everything. I, that's what I like about the Netflix shows. You don't get full on either hero or full on the villain. Mm-hmm. You see the growth yeah. with Daredevil season one. You see him in the black costume learning to become Daredevil. Yeah. You see Fisk get into becoming the Kingpin in season three. You know, you see, um, what's his name? Uh, Jigsaw. He's yeah. not really Jigsaw in season one of no. Punisher. That'll be in a future episode. Yeah. And with this new guy, Poindexter, yeah. he's not who we think he is. Yeah. We'll probably get full on that character yeah, in the yeah. next season. Yeah. I just love how they take their time to develop, you know, the either the hero or the protagonist or the antagonist, you know, throughout their season. I just love it. I uh, My thing, and I think I tweeted about this, my big thing about, you see it, as far as like people were arguing, I was like, he's not the kingpin in seasons one and two. Season two is he's starring. You see that, even mm. though he's not a big part of season two. The very first episode is like he's the kingpin in the moment that he's preparing all of the eggs, and you hear the background noise. <laughs> and he just goes, Quiet! <laughs> and the entire cell block just goes silent. I was like, that's a fucking gangster right there. It's just like he he told the entire cell block to be quiet and everyone shut the fuck up. Uh, like uh, that's yeah. the fucking kingpin right there. Like that's a man who yeah. everyone is afraid of. Um that was uh just the arc of the transformation of uh, the villains and the characters. So we have, you know, these characters. Have a good night. Just killing it. Just showing you just how does, how Fisk does his work, yeah. you know. And I've I, previous seasons, and I guess in the comic book, you say, oh, he's a smart guy. He's super strong. Yeah. You know, he, he everyone's intimidated by that. But you don't really see how the sausage is made. You don't see yeah. the inner workings of, you know, the thought he takes in, to in figure out the, the weaknesses. In, in, the, of, in the Bendis run and a little bit in the Michael Lark after the guy who took over right after Brian Michael Bendis' run on Daredevil, which in, for my money, is the best run on Daredevil. Frank Miller's run included. Brian Michael Bendis' run on Daredevil is the best run on Daredevil, period. Uh... You see in that, and even more so in my brain, like Michael Lark's, I think it's Michael Lark is, I might be thinking of the, no, Greg Rucka. Of course, because Greg Rucka's forte is crime fiction and writing crime comics. Uh, You see like, he super manipulates like Ben Urich and and a bunch, and FBI agent. Like, Like I said, there's so much of, the sea, all of the seasons of Daredevil that are taken from that, like, I want to say about five to eight year run on Daredevil that was Brian Michael Bendis and Greg Rucka writing Daredevil. It's like, there's so much of that, like, how Kingpin can manipulate so many of the things around him. He does the same thing with, like, an FBI agent. It was just like, and here, you, he invites Ben Yurk, like, into, like, his prison cell, essentially. It's like, I'm going to give you a story. Uh, and it's all of the, it is a spoiler if you haven't read the story. Um, but he's like, there's this thing I have called the Murdoch papers. It's like, it's everything on Matt Murdoch, which is like, uh, you know, I'm going, and he's like, I'm going to make a deal. So that with the FBI, 
because they're he had Ben Yurik has a wire and he's just like I'm gonna make a deal so you can get me out of prison because they keep moving me because everyone keeps trying to kill me because kind of like this except he orchestrates this yeah. in this movie in, in this show and then like there's this whole big deal where like Electra and Matt Murdock and and Black Widow all of them go to, like this lawyer's office to uh get the Murdoch papers, which is essentially King back Kingpin playing, like saying I have everything from when he was a kid. I have the number of the truck that hit him, that blinded him. I have like the names of all the people who were involved with his father, like the fixer, blah, 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 blah. I have recordings of all, all the conversations I have with, I've had with him. They're all in this safe. And then all of this big hairy deal is made about it. He's already made the deal with the FBI and like he's, done all of that and then at the end he just turns and he goes after all of it and Matt Murdock's been like shot in the shoulder whole shit ton of stuff just like shit hits the fan in the comic book and he just goes by the way I should probably mention now there are no Murdock papers he's like I'm I made the whole thing up because I knew you'd all react this way Mm. because it's me like and I was just like motherfucker that's the fucking kingpin it's just like it's like I I manipulated everyone because by just bringing this up, I knew everyone would do all of these things. Based on their psycho- psychology yeah, yeah. that he, he And knows. then at the end, he basically just goes, yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I just knew you would do that. He's just like, you wanted proof that Matt Murdock is Daredevil? The fact that he ran like a like you saw Dare- like all this shit go down. It was like, that's proof. There's your proof he's Daredevil. I just gave him up to you. I don't need to give you Mur- like all the papers that I told you I had because he just... Because he thought he I had them, he did That's all this fucking enough. shit. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you see the depths of you know this these new characters that you see, you know, that are in the FBI, showing the the power that Fisk has risen in the criminal world. Yeah. And then, with that said, you know, with new characters, some of the old ones, I started to like them again. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think I remember texting you. I was like mid jog last Saturday, and the moment I heard that is like I did a fucking fist pump. Yeah, Nelson at N- yeah. Nelson Nelson at Murdoch, attorneys at law. I haven't heard that in a while now, yeah. and that just gave me the best you know feeling out there. It's like yes, the band's back together, and just seeing those three work together for a it was a slow churn yeah. it was an immediate they had to struggle throughout season three but by the end when they come together you see the payoff that they need to work together where it's not just you know fisticuffs and violence that takes down you know yeah. criminal underworld you need a little bit of the justice I, I, uh, in it and i love that aspect i also i also think that like especially like season two and then defenders Karen as a character, just like as someone who like is on Twitter, kind of looking at things and kind of looking at like, uh, articles on it. It's like Karen gets a lot of shit for being like middling and, and mediocre. I, 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 I sort of get that perspective, but I'm really, I also think it's, it's people who aren't familiar. I just like, the thing I, I want to tell people... Fahey was the one I hated. He was the second one I was going to bring up, was was that the other one who gets a lot of crap and shit is Foggy, and I was just like, I think you... I think some of it is justifiable, 
just like you know as far as like characters who were just kind of like middle of the road and it was like you just didn't you didn't really care about it was just like I think one of the weaknesses especially in season two that they did better in this season uh and and I will say that so much stuff that they just did so well in this season (laughs) it's just like foggy is in a situation where you you would think he would be happy and that's like the whole thing of his arc in this season is like it's like you would think you would be happy and then you realize that like you you still miss your best friend like yeah. you know what i mean it's like and that was touching it was touching and 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 also the fact that in the comic books they again they've only really addressed this i think more recently but Matt Daredevil, but Matt Murdock needs Foggy Nelson. I don't, I dare, I, you could make the argument that he doesn't necessarily need Karen, Mm -hmm. but he needs Foggy Nelson. Like he needs that, like he needs that friend in his life. That anchor to keep him from going to the full on dark, crazy side. Whether he like listens to him or not, or ultimately decides to do, and I think that's a lot of what the arc of this season was, was him just, it's its very Batman mm-hmm. in a way. It's very Dark Knight Rises in, in a weird way, in a better way, but like just him like, oh, I don't want to be Matt Murdock anymore mm. because Matt Murdock, you know, has a life and friends and that's not who I, I can't be that yeah. in order to do what I have to do. And I think the ultimate resolution is no you do yeah. and it's what his mom who we don't learn is his mom until which later you in the knew season. but yeah, if you know the comic books you know that i didn't comic. know the cam- comic books but i they alluded to the fact how she's batshit crazy um or like she's like a crazy nun or something like that yeah. so i i knew that this woman one will be a recurring character and two if she's gonna be a recurring character father is gonna be off you yeah. know, sometime uh, in this season. And talking about a moral center, just his mom, you know, just like a hard-nosed yeah. nun. Yeah. I <laughs> I loved how she's not perfect. Yeah. I, I loved how, you know, just why she had to give up um, Murdoch, you know, at, you know, when, at, at, at an early age. It makes sense. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. You know, and just... You know that whole nod to whole the importance of mental health, and at the time not understanding that I um that of mothers new mothers go through after childbirth. Uh, that was a smart way of you know explaining what happened. I, I also love you know not being someone of, of faith, but like I've continually loved, and I think it's super strong in this season how they incorporate Matt being a Catholic and his mother being a nun, like. Yeah. Is like it's such a strong component of both of those characters, but the fact that it isn't like it isn't like uh, there is doubt there, but there, you know, it's like it's their their faith is unquestionably part of who they are. Yeah. But the fact that it's like there's a depth to it that it's it's not simple. It's even though she's a nun. Like speaking of things not being simple, um, I'm a huge fan of Batman, and yeah. what they've done with the whole 
no kill rule makes it so much more realistic in Daredevil in terms of Batman. You say he doesn't kill, but you're 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 donning donning this mask because you have emotional baggage. Yeah, he's got emotional baggage, but he deals with it in a realistic way that it's not just so easy to hold back. There's yeah. a struggle, an inner struggle in you to try to like stop a villain and you see that you yeah. know conflict in Murdoch this season it, uh, where he's trying to like there's nothing for me to do everything I do I can't beat Fist so the only thing I have to do is kill him but you see his mom try to reel him back yeah. his friends try to reel, reel him yeah. back and that struggle where it's not just him alone it's him with a community of his friends and his family, you know, that brings him from that dark side. I love how they did that. Whereas, even though I'm a huge Batman fan, I find it's just so easy just to say that, oh, I don't kill. You well, know, there's, well, well, there's well, here's, that's. Here's, that. here's the perfect example that they have done many times on Daredevil as a show that I don't think I've ever seen them do ever in any incarnation of Batman. To be fair, you have to, they have seasons. Batman yeah. typically have a movie, does movies, and well, well, no, you can't really refl- show that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying uh, movies of Batman. I'm saying like animated series. I'm even going into the comic books as long as Batman has been around the comic books. And yeah. you could argument that this scene has maybe come up. But uh, I do know that in maybe in medium that aren't comics, I don't think I've ever seen this sequence for Batman as much as I've seen it in all of the seasons of Daredevil, is that there is always a moment, at least one, in every season, and there's more than one in this season, where Matt starts hitting someone, and someone else who is watching him hit someone goes, sees the darkness yeah. in him. And it's a thing that's like central part of his character. It's, it's uh, in, one of, in the Frank Miller origin story that Frank Miller did. Uh, it's one of the couple different versions of Daredevil's origin. We're just like he. J- it's in him. The like, devils in the, the devils, those Murdoch boys. Yeah, devils in those Murdoch boys, <laughs> and it's just like he. Like if someone, even when he's like training, like when he's trying to get back, and he's with that yeah. boxer, he starts to hit that dude. He loves it, hear, and you just hear the priest go, Matt, 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 like, blah, 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 like stop him because he just starts. It's you know, it, this is a weird. And now, like, comparison, but it's also, like, that scene in, uh, that one scene in uh, Good Will Hunting, where there, there's a scene in Good Will Hunting where they, there's, like, a guy who, like, teased him in, like, junior high or something. And so they jump out of the car, and they jump this guy in, like, a basketball court. And everyone's kind of scrapping, and then everyone kind of stops fighting, and you just see, they just do, like, a little, like, they sort of, the camera sort of not necessarily a close-up, but, like, moves in on Matt Damon. And the guy who he's jumped is already on the ground, and you just see him fucking... He just keeps hitting him. And you just go, oh, there's there's demons in there. Like, he's not beating this dude up because he teased him in junior high. He just... He needs to to hit something. (laughs) To let it out. Um. Yeah. And and you just see it so it, it comes up more than once in this series, and also when he goes out that first time, and he literally is like trying to get the dudes to kill him. Yeah, as just like there's so much stuff in here. It's like there's a humanity. Yes. in Daredevil, in 
from what I've, because I, you're a Daredevil fan, yeah. and I haven't read much of it except the most recent um, books, uh, trade paperbacks I've purchased. But I, it's, I, I know Batman more, and yeah. even though I love Batman, there is an inhumanity in Batman yes. that is too perfect yes. that DC has made. Yeah. I guess it's a symptom with an issue with all of their characters where they're just too perfect. Yeah. He's too perfectly a uh, good guy that he could never uh, pull yeah. out a gun. With uh, with Murdoch, I love the several, flaw. He's several, dirty. Yeah. I love that it's, about it's, him. As, aside from the fact that there's several examples you could bring up of Batman using a gun and actually shooting people, especially early in his history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... I would actually, I mean, there's an argument that, and I think it's completely valid, that uh, aside from his, like, heightened senses, Daredevil is Batman if Batman wasn't rich. Yeah, he's the broke Batman. <laughs> he's the broken Batman, yeah. He's the broke uh, yeah, so, uh, And I would, I would... I would love at any point to see a point where like Batman and actually admittedly I think I have I think I've maybe read it once or twice. Uh they kind of allude to it I think in in White Knight where it's just like this idea and there's a couple times where in the when Dick Grayson was going from being Robin to Nightwing where he's just like no, the way you do things is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're fucked up in the head. <laughs> like, you just want to... There's a couple... You know, I take back what I said before. Is is There are uh, points in Batman where they, they bring up the fact. It's like, no, you're just... It just seems like you want to hurt people. Yeah. Um, but you don't see much of that struggle. Yeah. It's either... Yeah. Uh, uh, um a book or storyline that focus on that one thing. But f the uh, impression I get uh, from Daredevil is that it's ingrained yeah. in his character. The same way ca Catholicism, guilt, you know, yeah. brings him back from the darkness. You know, you, you see that struggle. It's not, it's not clear cut for him. It's not yeah. black and white. It's a lot of gray and it's, he's not the type of hero who knows everything. He needs people just to get his head out of his ass to yeah. make him realize, Hey, you're fucking shit up, you know, wake up and, you know, fix your shit. Um, and I, this season just reinforced this in this character and made me really appreciate him i, I also um, like they've as a done, hero they've done the same thing with batman of like showing oh he's a human he has scars and all that and they've done that a bunch of times with batman but i don't think there's any in the comics and especially on screen any hero i've ever seen who Damn. gets his gets his just as fucking just his ass handed to him Gets so messed up. Nobu, man. That I I rewatched that. Yeah. Recently, it was like fuck. And then you see, like in this season, when he when he takes his shirt off, it's yeah. like all those scars are still there. And look, yeah. here's new ones. Yeah. The 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 one that very because I was rewatching it like the first two episodes, very just in the first episode of this season, where he like he's starting to kind of get his senses back, and he just takes like the little like sort of tea kettle, tea kettle of water and he just pours it and he spits and it's just like this massive thing of blood and you just see him go oh I, I'm not okay still uh, I, I, in the fight scene between Poindexter and uh, Daredevil at the bulletin yeah 
I don't know about you. It was it's particularly squeamish when that scissor went into his yeah. shoulder. I could. It's like I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is about. That was that hurt. I I think it's it's a testament to the directors of this of this season that and 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 a, in previous seasons I think too, but I think especially in this season. Uh, again, there's like serious violence in the other shows too, but I for some reason in the Daredevil seasons, and I will say particularly in season three, there's this element where it's just like the violence is like, and the quote unquote gore is like extreme, but you like actually like feel it almost where it's just like it, it punisher towards the last episode yes, towards the last that episode. was yeah oh that was intense i could not handle that yeah um yeah I have oh to say god we, that- we have to have a conversation maybe watch a little bit before you go uh we will when we finish with daredevil i'll briefly mention this movie uh but yeah it's just the violence which brings us to agent poindexter AKA, we all know he's Bullseye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um, I they never call him I, that, and you only get the one little hat that has the Bullseye on. Yeah. I mean, I loved just seeing his origin story they solidified. through Fisk. Yes. Oh, again, one of those through things. Fisk. Again, one of those things where it's just like. Like. I always appreciate from like a writing directing as like a sort of a film nerd and like a writing nerd, like seeing it was like you could have had an origin story that was just like like the Karen episode yeah. that was just like his origin story. But whoever's choice it was to have his origin story essentially be told as if Wilson Fisk is watching it, yeah. watching him grow up, it's just like Oh, whoever made that decision, you need a cookie. I'll give you that a cookie. That was a what? great decision. So we see him as a young child, already flawed. I, what was like a sociopath? He he's not. He lacks empathy. I, I, I think don't that's know. what it is. It's he is. Yes, he is. He. I mean, I'm not a big psych psychological, you know, psychiatry or psychology buff, but I would argue that he's almost like a textbook sociopath. Like okay. he just. He doesn't empathize well, and I was like, "But after a lot of treatment, you see that like he's he has as someone who's like known people. I'm not necessarily saying that he's on the spectrum, but like has known and worked with people on the spectrum. I also really appreciated like the therapy sessions where it's just mm-hmm. like is those tapes the, the tapes, but it's also you'll be okay, but you need a system. Mm-hmm. A, a moral star or yeah, that, a whatever. Yeah, a moral star. And, and also, like, just like when you have people who have issues like that, it's like they need, number one, they need a system. They need a support system. They need, uh, they need habit. They need a, a structure. And it needs to be consistent. Yeah. And this is I, what, one of the things I love about his origin story is you can see what happened. I mean, people could just say, it's like, oh, he's just crazy. And it's just like, I actually, like, when he's trying to interact with the, the woman whose name I'm drawing a blank mm-hmm. on. I think Julie or something. Julie, yeah. You see, like, at first it just seems creepy. Like, he's stalking her. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, like, when she blows him off, and then after he fists kind of corrupts him, you see, like, that last glimmer of, like, no, I no, felt no. bad for him. I really did. You like, see, he's trying to not be who he could potentially be, yeah, not be a monster that I, his therapist the, mentioned. The conversation after, like, so it, it starts out as, like, he's stalking her, like, when you see him initially kind of stalking her, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, he's just creepy and... He's just a he's just like a, a psycho, if you'll forgive the term. But then when you see his after she like gets like scared of him and just like tells him to like fuck off essentially, and like when he tries that last time, it's like that scene like broke my heart. It was just like it's like no, you don't understand. It was just like he would just be like brutally honest. He was just like, here's who I am. Here's what I saw. I was like. And it, and it, it, at that point when he's describing it, it's not. It's still kind of creepy, but it's like, it's literally like, no, you you don't understand. It's just like, I need someone to be this, and I, I don't know if he actually articulates it, but he basically says, I apologize that I physic, you know, that I fixated on you to be that person. But you seem like you're a very good person who can help people. Can you please help me? Yeah. Like, and that that scene in the coffee shop just like is like, oh man, I actually feel for him in a way that I never felt for Bullseye as a character. Bullseye yeah. as a character is is fun uh, as just being like a crazy murderer, essentially. Uh, especially when he's paired with Deadpool, he's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, although he. They gave him a very definitive origin story, which he does not have in the comics. Okay. But this is where, as I mentioned, because w- before we you started recording, we were talking about what was the problem with, you know, Iron Fist. The what you, you see here is like someone with a vision. Yeah. See, take a character and you know, just improve on it. You know, yeah. nothing major, but just subtle improvements that uh someone who's doesn't know shit about the comics can see and relate to yeah. um, that struggle, that yearning to be better. Yeah. You saw that early on in Poindexter, and that's why I felt bad for him. You know when you know Poindexter met Fisk, yeah, because Fisk sees your cracks yeah. and your weaknesses, and he just fucks that shit up. You know, in the comic books, I will say that like Bullseye is kind of like that with Wilson Fisk too. It's one of the reasons he says that like he's worked with worked for Wilson Fisk a bunch of times. He was just like, uh, "I respect you. You've known this for years. Just like you give me a you give basically like I don't think he ever explicitly says it in com- in the comic books, but it's like you give me a direction when I work with you mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily have when I'm just." by myself just like being crazy essentially i'm kind of curious as to how he ends up without a moral north star if we do see him in again again in future as you i mean he needs that direction how unhinged will he be without a fist directing him i also think that there's a handful of people one of the reasons why i was a little bit apprehensive about like the direction they were going initially was I kind of wanted him to be the bullseye who was just like this super deadly, super accurate like thing. And he sort of is that, but he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. 
but I like how they gave him. It's what they've done with a couple of the characters who, like, when you have them in the comic books, they can be a comic book character who is this. But you've given him a moral complexity that he didn't have in the comic books. Uh, I also appreciate that's just like. Uh, they they downgrade his actually actual abilities a little bit for the show, but it's not so much that I was just like, no, he's more skilled than that. I mean, I don't know, but you have to be realistic. I yeah. mean, Daredevil is rooted in somewhat in yeah. a real-ish yeah. world, real-ish. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know what his because I just thought he's just a guy who could. You know, you know, he's accurate. Although it's kind he's of so, insane. Yeah. You know, just using like r- beads or yeah. rosary beads as a weapon. I'm like, come on, really? Well, 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 here, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing that they did with his. So his ability in a comic books is essentially very simplified. Is he can turn anything and if he throws it, essentially into a deadly weapon. He can make anything he throws deadly, which. Not to beat a dead horse, stuff that we bring up uh, also is one of Hawkeye's abilities that they've n- never addressed. It's it's like no, Hawkeye it's, just uses a bow and arrow. Bow and arrow. <laughs> That's his ability. But, but in the comic books, it, it, he actually one of his abilities in like the history of his comic books is like it's it's funny because briefly when when Bullseye was Hawkeye. When Norman Osborn was running the Avengers, he had Bullseye beat Hawkeye because Hawkeye and Bullseye, Clint Barton, and uh, he has a different name, although it's a dubious name. His real his real name in the comic books. They both have the ability of like if you if they pick up something and throw it at you, they could probably kill. They could kill you with it. I like how they kind of downplayed that for the show, but what I like even more about the way they played that in the show is they almost made it part of his mental issues. It was like the fact that he can't miss isn't necessarily a superpower. It's that he's so compulsive that everything he he does is so regimented that that's supremely regimented and like hyper-focused too. And I love the, the very early moment in his... Uh, it's just like one of those little nerd moments when they're showing his origin story, and he's sitting against the like away, you know, across from the wall with the baseball, and he keeps just bouncing yeah. the baseball, but it's the exact same spot every time yeah. he throws it. I was like, yeah, that's bullseye. Yeah. As a kid, that's bullseye, and it's and they've grounded it in a kind of like not only is that a skill that he has. But it's also kind of part of his manifestation of his issue. His issue, yeah. yeah. Which is something that they they I don't think they've ever I don't think they've done in the comic books. I might be wrong. But I was just like, okay, yes, that's a way that you've adapted that mm. character and made that ability grounded in some sort of reality. Yeah. I mean, he's great, you know, and him in the Daredevil uniform. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, you know, it's like I you, you also, see making my- him scary was a thing that I was worried that they weren't going to be able to do effectively without mm. making him seem ridiculous. They made him scary. Because I don't know what do you. I don't understand. What do you mean ridiculous? Th- there is a level. 
being dangerous and being what he is without overplaying it, uh, example, Colin Farrell in the Daredevil movie, okay. is just like making him someone who actually when he's when he's left to his own when he doesn't have that moral compass is like oh you're actually scary mm. <laughs> like making him actually scary was a thing that was just like oh i'm so glad that you actually they actually did that effectively i just my fear as you mentioned that was just his interactions with daredevil where i'm like in it's like matt murdoch can't win he can't outsmart yeah. Wilson Fisk. And you've got this guy who can turn anything into a fucking weapon. Yeah. And then he, yeah, he's trying to get close to him, but the motherfucker just has range on him yeah. and he can't miss. I'm like, fuck. He, it, how is Matt Murdock going to take on these two characters? That, that fight in the bulletin, you yeah. know, was just emblematic about, damn, you know, how dangerous, you know, because I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the character. It's just like this guy who just is accurate. It's like, how deadly is that? Yeah. And then in this show, you realize that Matt Murdock, as a guy who's a close quartered fighter, yeah. is useless when this guy has range on him. You know, and I'm like, fuck. Well, uh. well the other thing that I think they did effectively in the show that is an element of his character in the in the comic books is and also by making you know, actually like solidifying like a mental issue that he has, that he needs a moral compass is without that like moral North star, he's just, he doesn't care. He really is a sociopath. Like he's just like, it was like, whereas it's like the ridiculous thing in like the daredevil movie is like, Oh, he gets so upset that he misses is like, and the other uh, the other side of that is like the, the bullseye from the comics and the bullseye from season three of Daredevil is like, whoops, I hit a pedestrian. Oh, the pedestrian is dead. Oh, well. It's just like, he's not yeah. pissed off. He just like. Yeah. Or I, even better, that uh, flashback scene where Fisk is imagining his youth. He's like, he wants to kill the psychiatrist who's dying yeah. because she's leaving him. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's, you're yeah. really that messed yeah, up. Yeah, dude. You're really that messed up. Yeah. It's like, why do you want to kill me? Because you're going to die and leave me alone. So I'm going to kill you first. You yeah. know, that uh, was. Also, I liked a, a, a nice little allu uh, allusion to the comic books in which they reverse the characters. So yeah. the when he's in the when he enters the church the church so that is literally a scene from Kevin Smith and Joe Quesada's run on Daredevil. It's much later in like Daredevil and Bullseye's here uh, history. As soon as I saw that scene, I was like, "Oh fuck, Karen is dead. <laughs> They're gonna kill Karen," because that's the scene. That's yeah. the scene in the comic books where. Ex where like he throw like he catches the in this case he's dressed as Daredevil, mm -hmm. but it's like he takes, he's like blah blah blah. I was like oh I forgot to hand Red back his club, and he throws the club at Daredevil and Karen jumps in front of him. Uh, in this they kind of switch the characters around, but I did appreciate that they literally did the Matt holding Karen dying, but they switched the characters around and had Karen holding Hold the, the priest. priest, and it is. If you look at that scene, 
like the composition the composition of the scene and like the cross and the lighting it is an exact reproduction of that panel which they've reproduced in the comp a couple times of Matt remembering Karen dying and I was just like okay I see what you did there that was cool that being said like I said when he entered the the church I was like oh fuck I knew someone was going to die. I knew someone was going to die. I thought it was going to be Karen. I really did. Uh, I was like, I thought it was going to be Karen a few times. Well, no. Bolton, in the Bolton, I thought Foggy was going to eat it. Yeah. You know, uh, Foggy wasn't going to die. And I, in the church scene, I wasn't sure, but it was like I knew someone of emotional significance was going to, to Matt Murdock. I, I, I think it's in, I think it's interesting and and I understand why they did the priest. I also think as someone who is a friend of a comic book, they really So to everyone, this was what I was going to say earlier about like to everyone who's kind of like a Karen hater. I was just like, "Oh man, you don't know how if like I don't know if they're going to adapt any of the stuff from the comic books." I was like, "You don't know how south that story goes." It's just like you should stop hating on her because her life, number one, it, when you see that episode that's like her orange story, it's just like, mm-hmm. you don't know how shitty her life was. It's just like, you don't know how shitty her life is going to get if they mm-hmm. do any of the stuff that they do. It's like, and it does not end well at all for her. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why in that scene, I was just like, oh, are they going to, they've been kind of teasing at this. It was like, are they really going to do it? And they didn't do it. And I was just like, okay, that's going to, yeah, because you you said you saw that the necessity of the Karen episode. Um, yeah. Not only did I see the necessity, I really was very curious about you know who yeah. she was. I did not know she was a fuck up oh, as yeah. a young person. Uh, so knowing that, I'm really curious as to what's going to happen because they alluded to the fact that early on in. Like a few episodes, uh, episodes before Karen uh, episode, you, she calls her dad, yeah. and I didn't understand why her father was distant to her. It's yep. like you know, just call me anytime, but don't come by. I was like, damn, that's fucking cold. Yeah, it's cold. You know, <laughs> I was like, I think, <laughs> I think one of the th- a good thing that they did with the supporting cast in this is again, like they made uh, you get to see more of why Foggy is who he is. And in my brain, you get to care a little bit more about Foggy when you yeah. see like who, what Foggy's background is. As much as I like have sort of criticized the Karen episode, you get to see with like who Karen is, and like you get to feel more for her for her character. I've saw I've saw a lot of stuff on like Twitter and others like people still don't like Karen. I'm like whatever, okay, fine. Um, I will say that if they're doing a long game on like eventually they're going to kill Karen at some point. Uh, the, uh, the setting up the fact that, uh, and, and they, they sort of have alluded this to this, in this, this show they've done it. They did it a lot more in the comics is that at her core, uh, to a certain extent, uh, Karen is an addict. Uh, when she was at home, it was like, drugs but since she was young it wasn't like super duper and you see the consequence of that of like her brother dying yeah. uh you can kind of see that she has the same obsession that matt has with 
Wilson Fisk and all that. And you can see that there is a justification. There's definitely a real justification for her doing it. But you can also see it as like there's kind of an element of an addict in there. Yeah. Uh, Matt has the same thing, Obsession by the way. Obsession over something that she can't let go of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I now yeah. saw that. Uh, and I, I would be interested to see whether they pursue that more in the way that they do in the comic books. Because in the the way they do in the comic books, like that that's I won't say anything. You can go read the comic books and speculate as much as I'm speculating. But it's like that things do not go well for her. Even before she gets killed by Bullseye in the comics. Like so many things. Like when she eventually like splits up with Matt and goes over to the West Coast. And also ends up in the end being manipulated by the Kingpin. And then it's a whole... Her life does not go well or end well. <laughs> like her, that entire, her, the entire arc of her life is a tragedy. Let's just put it that way. Well, now the thing is, you know, people can just wait and see. Yeah. Uh, also, also says something uh, that they've pointed out about uh, Matt Murdock. Is the fact that Matt Murdock's in a comic book, at least we haven't had enough of the series to say this, but like the fact that uh, Matt's most significant relationships in his life have been with his father, who was killed, his mother, who abandoned him, came back into his life, you know, in this season, and Karen Page, who like betrayed him eventually, uh, like basically the the woman who he has been most in love with and spent the most time of his life being in love with aside from Electra. Electra is another great example. Yeah. It's just like, wow, you dude, you, uh, the two most important women, three most important women in your life are the mom who basically abandoned you and then came back into your life when you were super messed up. Uh, Electra who was a human tragedy, essentially. And Karen, who was also a human tragedy. It's just like, eh, it says something about your life, doesn't yeah. it? Which is something that the other character, Foggy, especially, of just like, eh, what does it say about your yeah. life? <laughs> like, every woman you're involved with ends up being, like, betraying you or being murdered yeah. in front of you or, like, you know, yeah. And he's just like, his world is unclean and I, yeah. I enjoy that you know yeah. um in terms of i yeah, am a nerd but you know you, you like struggle yeah. with your heroes you know it can't be that easy you know and yeah i admit you know batman has shit easy you know yeah. for the most part you, you like to see you know some dirt on the heroes as they try to overcome whatever obstacles yeah. that's being posed to them and you see that you know, so he's, his ability to finally defeat Fisk without yeah. having to kill him, that was a huge, yeah. for me, a huge triumph. Yeah. You know, where he relied on his friend's counsel. He relied on luck with, you know, the FBI agent, yeah. you know, recording that video. Um, all of that shows, I mean, that that's, that's why I love this season. This has been the best you know, Daredevil season I, I've I will, seen I will by say, far. And this is as, I mean, I'm biased because he is, Daredevil is my favorite character. I will say that this season, I'm getting a little emotional here, not watching this, just thinking about this. 
this season reminded me why he's my favorite character. Mm. There's so much, so many elements of this of like being a New York native, you know, someone who's dealt with some struggles in my life. Just, just the idea of someone who's, I mean, not as much as necessarily Daredevil, but like, you know, being teased as a kid or like, you know, the fact that like at certain points in my life, I've definitely felt like the entire world was, whether justified or not, was beating down on me. It's just like a character like this who's just like gets life essentially kicks the shit out of him. But through sheer, f- and a lot of it is like when you, especially when you see how fucked, physically fucked up he is, it's like people are just literally in the show. It says, how are you still alive? Oh, yeah. And the idea in the comic books is like, he just, he's a lot, he just keeps going by sheer force of will, which is basically what he, what he got from his father. It's just like, I'm going to keep, going <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing anymore <laughs> i don't think i can win but fuck i'm gonna keep fighting yeah. and i was just like and that's really what when you bring up batman i was like where i'm just like it's like i don't know what i'm doing yeah. i don't think i can win but i have to keep fighting yeah and I was just like that. Ultimately, like as a watching, like watching a character like that, or that as a hero, watching that as a hero, I'm just like, okay, that's yeah, that's very that's much my dude. It's, it's like <laughs> a a lot of boxing is yeah. involved in this character, where you just you get knocked down. As he said to his dad, you get back up. You know, yeah. Murdochs, we always get back up. We can take a punch um, as long as we move up and. That's who he is, and I, I respect that character. I, mean, I respect that ethos, that mindset that you keep getting up no matter how hard you get punched. Well, uh, my big thing is, I mean, if we're getting coming down to like the core of it, and I think we've discussed this before, and I've discussed, definitely discussed this before when comparing like Batman and Daredevil. And don't get me wrong, I like Daredevil. I, I, I mean, I like Batman. I think I've... As I've gotten older, I've I like the stories of Batman, but Batman central centrally as a character. Mm. I think the older I get, the more I just have a problem with him just as a character. Where I'm just like um, <laughs> Titans. I'm always fuck Batman. Yeah. Um, but the core of Batman is uh, my parents were murdered. Uh, criminals are cowardly and superstitious lot. I will find a you know I I can I will find a way to win. Yeah. I will always find a way to win. Basically. Plot armor, you yeah, know, yeah, his, yeah. His best, his most powerful weapon, you know, and it's. But he he wins. There's no doubt in yeah. that. Whereas uh, Daredevil's central ethos is, my dad was murdered, my mom. I don't know her. She abandoned. I don't think he in early on he knows that his mom abandoned him. Uh, and his biggest thing, like the central ethos of his thing, is I fight bullies. Yeah, that's really what like as a lawyer and as Daredevil, that's his central like guiding principle is I fight bullies. I was a bu- I was bullied. I fight bullies. And what you see time and again with Daredevil also is. I fight bullies even if I know I'm going to lose. Yeah. I fight them anyway. And I'm just like, that is so much more like as a hero inspiring to me. 
then I'm going to find a way to win. He takes on challenges above his weight class. Yeah. You know, um, nothing scares him. And yeah. that's that's commendable uh, of a comic book character. I mean, it might, it might be rationally it's kind of stupid on a level <laughs> uh is that idea of like i'm going to that's what foggy's trying to say he is dumb but yeah. he he does it anyway because yeah. he feels that he has to there's no one else who can do it well the the other the other uh i think it was brian michael bendis when he was describing like you know whoever takes over after me writing this book is like here are a couple of things you need to understand about matt murdoch is like he keeps fighting even though he thinks even when he knows on some level he's going to win he's going to lose uh at his core he's kind of a dick <laughs> and you see that in this season too yeah. it's like he's kind of a dick like he's charming and you know he can be like funny but he's, he's at his core he's kind of a dick uh and he's stubborn as hell. Yeah. Like he's like that. That that's one of the a couple. He was like, is whoever's writing this just needs to understand. It's like eh. he's good intentioned and he wants to do the right thing. He's kind of a dick about it. Like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Daredevil season three. Dude, I mean, I think we need a fucking cigarette. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Of- <laughs> I'm, I, I. This is one of the, like I said, one of the, uh, even like I love Daredevil season one, I I had mixed feelings about, I liked Daredevil season two, I had mixed feelings about a lot of it. I think it's one of the only, ex, except for maybe Jessica Jones season one, where there wasn't anything major in this that I had a major criticism. Like yeah. I feel like it was just like. It's and a I, complete season. And also because I think it's like they've done it for two seasons now. Mm. It's like any show is like we've done this even though it's different people certain to a certain extent different people behind it. It's like we know who this character is. We've done this character effectively for two seasons. We know what we're doing now. Like it's just let's just do what we do well but better. Like and that's what the season is. It's like And I have to admit there has it's been like two years. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the time, that extra time, did this show, you know, a good deal of benefit. You know, just yeah. like having the writers think it out. I don't know if the, there was overlap between the writers of Daredevil and Defenders, Maybe. but you know, that break from Daredevil, I think. I hope was the reason why it's so fleshed out and it's so complete. I also think it year. says something about the shows, and I said this before that, like, uh, you know, Iron Fist season two had Misty, and I mean, Colleen was part of his, but like, Luke Cage season one had Iron Fist in it, and Colleen, and Misty. Daredevil season three had his supporting cast, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, aside from the story, just the story itself is him by himself being on his own and some of the people was like well why didn't he just he's trying to take down a kinpin and was like why didn't he uh just call one of his friends and i was just like number one they all think he's dead number two he's deliberately saying i don't want to involve anyone else in this and number three if you understand anything about daredevil when i was talking about him being stubborn he's just that stubborn it was just like it. I think in one of the comic books, uh, in after Daredevil's life spirals out of control for like the ninth, 
the, the two millionth time or whatever, uh, Captain America comes up to him uh, dressed as Steve Rogers and just like he's just like he's like I, I wanted to hear it from you. Why didn't you come to us? And this is back. This is like before in one of those spaces and like in a timeline of Marvel where like the Avengers were like doing like everybody looked at Steve Rogers and Captain America as like they're not the enemies of anyone. They're mm-hmm. like the epitome. And Matt Murdock just goes is like he he goes the, the you know the politics you play like the good guy you play I I would destroy you my life because that's the way Matt Murdock sees his life is like. And you could see that in season three. It's just like my life would bring down, and he's just that arrogant too. He's just like, yeah, the mess that's my life would bring you down too. Like, uh, like, uh, and he, and he he says so hilarious. He just goes, he goes, and if I'm being honest, it just never occurred to me to come. <laughs> it's just like it's just and that's what you just see and Captain America just goes there's like in the panel just gives him this look like really <laughs> like it's just like he's like yeah it's just never the thought never entered my head that that I would come to you guys that mm. that that would be a thing that I could do but it wasn't even like it wasn't self-deprecating. It was literally like he's kind of a dick and that arrogant. It was yeah. like it never occurred to me that I would come, to, that I would ask you. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, Daredevil season three. If you haven't watched that shit, get yeah. On that. If you were at all a fan of the Netflix series, if you were all at all a fan of, I mean, I kind of want to see more reviews of it. But so far, everything I've seen has been one last thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. For for me, I noticed there wasn't a definitive fight scene. There wasn't the hallway scene. There yes wasn't a no. stair. His, his escape I, from the prison was pretty, I want to say, it was pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, dude. That's the one that Punisher did it out. better. Yeah. Punisher did it better yeah. in the prison in season two of Daredevil. I, I, but I, I also think that in this season, that's not what they were trying to do. You kind of had that in the fight between him and Bullseye. Let's just call him Bullseye for simplicity's sake. You kind of had that with the final fight between the two of them and like the three-way fight between him and Wilson Fisk and Bullseye. It's not as spectacular as any of the other fights, but I also think that that's... I don't think that's what they were trying to do with that this season. It's just like, okay, we did that in the previous two seasons... I think it was. It might have actually been a smart choice to not try and top that. Mm. To kind of, and also this is a Daredevil who, uh, a Matt Murdock and a Daredevil who isn't on that level this season. Even when he's sort of back to who he was, he's not really back to who he was. Mm. Like physicality, yeah, okay. yeah, fighting wise, like he's just not on that level. So you're not going to see that. I don't think. Uh, you might see that in, if there are further seasons. I would love to see. I mean, the one thing that was, I will say, was a tiny bit disappointed is I kind of did want to see a real knockdown, drag out fight between him and Bullseye. Hmm. And I kind of wanted to see Bullseye be Bullseye I before guess we'll the end of this season. Get this yeah. In a later season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that being said, I was like, yeah, this is fucking great. <laughs> Go watch it. I de- yeah, definitely yeah. plan on rewatching uh, season three after I'm done with season 
two of Daredevil. I've been yeah. rewatching it and god damn it. So John so Berthold. just just briefly, um one or two other things, just just super quickly. Uh number one, I, I didn't realize that the the woman who played his mom was Val Kilmer's former wife. Yeah. Uh from and Willow. I read he, she was in Willow, yeah. Yeah. Um Second thing, really quickly, and then we'll probably have to discuss it on a different uh, podcast. Uh, I was going to do this maybe in the intro for this podcast because it's not Daredevil related, but it's kind of a um, new movie on Netflix called, the. Uh, I think it's called The Night Comes For Us. It is the most brutal action film I've ever seen. Even more brutal, than, brutal. than either of... You had me dudes from the raid. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm it is. Watch that shit. Actually, uh, going back home, I'm going to start Uikoi's watching it. From uh, it is the two main guys, not the villain, but the two main cops from the raid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing sort of like gangster enforcers in this, and it is done by a guy who was, I think, one of the producers on the raid, but uh, did a couple other movies. Who directs both action movies and horror films, and I will say that the 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 fight sequences in The Night Comes For Us are so brutal that they verge on... They don't verge. They're horror movie. There's horror movie level gore in the fight sequences. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. So just a, uh, a, as a brief example, without spoiling anything, in the final fight between the two guys from the raid... Uh, it, not... It's... No? Not a spoiler? It is not a spoiler because it's just like a moment. Uh, One of them stabs the other one in the mouth with a box cutter. And they get into like a grappling match with like one of them, I think, is stabbing the other one in like the neck or something. And the dude who's got the box cutter, it's literally like sticking out the side of one of his cheeks. He gets out of like by... Biting through the plastic and shattering uh, the plastic of the box cutter. From this but movie? But in the meantime, it's just, there's just a box cutter. From this movie? Yeah. That, that kind of reminds me of that of guy uh, from the first raid who had like a piece of like uh, those fluorescent light bulb in his neck. Yeah. And still proceeded and still to kick those two guys. There is, there is a lot of that in this movie of dudes who are half dead and still fighting with like wounds that are just like why aren't you dead yet like like ridiculous level like not not like comically ridiculous um one of them is comically ridiculous there's a fight between two women in this in which yeah in which I, I won't tell you anything but like the the injury that that one of them has and she continues to fight is kind of like I guess the adre- adrenaline you would keep fighting, but Jesus Christ. All right. So, yeah. I, I just downloaded that movie. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Oh, yeah. You got to tell um, me about it. We got to talk about it when you're, when you're done. It is. Because right. I love the first two Raid films. Yeah. I love the choreography. So, that uh, it, it is a couple of the people who have. I went, looked up the reviews, and almost every review is like, it is the most brutal action film that I think. People were just saying, it's the most brutal action film that has ever been put on film. 
like barring maybe a handful of the the Korean ones. Headshot. All right, I'm gonna put that on. Headshot there. is good. I've never heard yeah. of this. All right, I'm gonna check that out. All right, thank you for that. Yeah, and that is you that is it, solid. man. For for Daredevil season three and the various other things, I think. High five! That was awesome. <laughs> yeah.